0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. You are about to listen to season four, episode four of the show, which means it's our first deep dive episode with a special guest. So, if you're new here, you might not know what that means. Basically, we do three episodes a month on average where we do the 15 minute mindset, the quick, actionable, tangible, punchy things. For you to go and implement. They're designed to give you a little light bulb moment, a breakthrough that you can then go and action in a way that improves your happiness, well-being and sense of thriving in life. And then every fourth episode, we do a deep dive session where we invite someone on who we think is going to bring value, insight and expertise to your personal development and well-being journey. And our first guest for this season is such a great example for that. I'm so, so grateful to be joined today by none other than the amazing Annalise McCarthy. Now, Annalise is a speaking coach who helps women find, own, and fall in love with their voice. And I really resonate with what Annalise is doing. I think our voice and our story is one of the most powerful things we can take ownership over and use as a tool to spread a positive ripple effect, not only in our life, but in the lives of those around us. So, the work that Annalise is doing is absolutely incredible, but I also fell in love with Annalise's journey and her personal story to getting to where she is today. This is someone who grew up with a speech impediment, who really was bullied for her voice and really struggled with owning her voice and using it as a tool to make a difference. And if you're someone who would much rather call in sick to work than actually do that presentation, if you tend to doubt yourself and get caught up in anxiety and fear when it comes to speaking publicly... Or if you'd like to just learn how to own your voice a little bit more, back yourself, trust yourself, and feel more confident and comfortable in sharing your views and your insights and your passions with the world, then this is such a fantastic episode for you to listen to. And Elise goes deep into not only her journey towards owning her voice and celebrating it, but she gives really profound and powerful tips on how you can start doing the same thing as well. So with that said, please join me in officially and formally welcoming the amazing Annalise McCarthy to the show. We did it. We're here. First and foremost, thank you for being here, being live in studio, ready to do this episode. But I think importantly, something I highlighted with you as we drove here, uh, which I want our listeners to know, your tenacity and grit (laughs) to make this interview a reality. Please, before we get into anything with this episode... Share with our listeners what you have battled um, over the last couple of weeks to make this a reality.
1: Battled indeed. Yes. So, well, very happy to be here. and Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honoured being the first episode of season four. Very flattered. Uh, So, yes, over the weekend, I had a car accident. The rain was torrential in Sydney. And unfortunately, the tyres just skid on the road, couldn't brake, car accident. So, couldn't drive the car up here. But I thought, I cannot... Not come to Newcastle, so I figured we'll hop on a train, we'll hop on a bus, we'll make it work. So I was so happy on here.
0: <laughs> and then the last couple of days, I was worried that our farm was going to get flooded, yes, exactly and right, we have nowhere to stay. But we did it, we did it, we right made here. it. That's the important part. And I'm really excited about this interview for a couple of reasons. I think one, personally, I've really resonated. It's funny, obviously, we we're talking before jumping on the show, uh, the amount of compliments that you get about your energy, but it was something that I really connected with over the last couple of months, yeah, thank you, months into each other. Weeks? Two, That's two months. I'd say months. Yeah. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, look at us go. And I think there's something quite exciting about the work that you do in terms of I've seen the need for it. Mm. So I know over lunch, we're connecting over the fact that it's not always been this way. Yeah. And both of us really connected with the idea of people go, oh, well, it's easy for Declan to talk about happiness. He's obviously always been about happy. Yeah. Uh, he's always, obviously always been a happy person. And it's easy for, you know, Annalise to be a confident speaker. She's always been a confident speaker. Yeah. And I think I want to highlight from the start that that's obviously not the case. So if I hand across to you and kind of rewind the tape for me. So take me back to the starting point of A, what got you passionate about the field of work that you're in in the first place? Mm. I'm always curious about why people do what they do. And then B, what have been some of the stepping stones along the way to highlight that I worry sometimes on our show we get 45 minutes to condense someone's journey down. And we hear almost a before and after, but we don't hear the, the in between. This is all the suck that happened in the middle, yeah. the struggle, the effort, the intensity. But this is where it led to. Yeah. So take us back.
1: Let's let's rewind the tape.
0: Let's rewind the tape. <laughs> Settle in.
1: It all started on a sunny Sunday <laughs> evening. No, uh, so i kidding. So I grew up in Tasmania. And then when I moved to Sydney, yeah, well there you go, I was gonna say I'm already <laughs> surprised.
0: <laughs> Revelations.
1: When I moved to Sydney, it became very apparent that I had a speech impediment, which was a lisp, and it was a very strong lisp. Now, as a kid, it's adorable when kids have lisps, right? You're like, oh, Jimmy G is so cute, like snake, right? It's really mm. cute. But for my parents, they were quite concerned because I was seven, and normally with speech pathology, at the age of seven, all speech impediments should be ironed out, pretty much. So my parents decided they would send me to a speech pathologist to kind of get that all figured out and sorted. And I remember one of my very first sessions with this pathologist. And I go into her office and she's one of those formidable old teachers that kind of you imagine walking around with a big ruler, like slapping against their hand, like that kind of woman. And I remember going into her office and she had this big, lonely, empty couch and just a singular chair. So she sat on the singular chair and I was this little seven year old engulfed by this big couch. And I remember sitting on this chair and one of the first things she asked me was, Annalise, are you really serious about getting rid of your lisp? And as a seven-year-old, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's like frightened out of my life. And she said, well, reason I ask is because we can work together on things that can correct your lisp and get rid of it. But that's only the first half because you, to me, seem someone that isn't a confident speaker. And you don't like the sound of your voice and this was true because in school i was bullied a lot when i spoke and i started to grow a really negative association with how i spoke and with my voice because every time i did speak people would make fun of me right so what she said was true so i said yeah no i i want to do this i'm i'm serious about doing this in my lovely seven year old voice and so what this meant i had no idea at the time but then she said to me so this year what we're going to do is we're going to enter you in every possible opportunity that there is for you to speak on stage We're going to get you in plays. We're going to get you in poetry recitals. We're going to get you in drama monologues. We're going to get you in musicals. Every possible opportunity that there is, we're going to throw you on stage. Now, being a non-confident, non-comfortable seven-year-old, that was terrifying. And that was really scary for me to think that I was going to be put on stage in front of all these people. Luckily, as a kid, that's a lot easier to do than as an adult, which I'm sure is something we'll touch on, because as an adult, you have this internal dialogue and the judgment. So as a kid, it's a bit easier. So the beginning of my journey was working tirelessly with a speech pathologist to get rid of my lisp and then also starting to perform a lot on stage, a lot in front of audiences, learning how to actually perform in front of people and cope with nerves. And what does it mean when I forget a line? And what do I do in that awkward moment when I've forgotten what I'm going to say? And I remember one of my very first speaking competitions, I fainted on stage. I came out on stage and I saw all the eyes and I was just out cold and it was terrifying to me. But one of the things that I'm so grateful for, and I thank my nine, 10, 11 year old self is that I didn't stop because of that experience. Cause I imagine if I did give up because I fainted or I did give up because of the bullying, there is no freaking way I would be here doing what I'm doing now. So one of the things that I always say to people is the first part of when you start something that you don't want to do is so unbelievably uncomfortable right? It's the suck that we spoke about before, embracing the suck. You don't want to do it. And it's one of the first things I always say to my clients, you've reached out to me because you want public speaking advice. Can we take a second to just acknowledge how brave you are for doing that? Because that is so uncomfortable to put yourself in that situation where you've said, this is something I suck at, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. this is something that I want to get better at, Technically, I don't really want to get better because I don't really want to put myself in my discomfort zone, but I know that I, I should. All right, I'll do it, right? So for me, the journey started with having a lisp, being thrust onto stage, getting comfortable on stage, and then me being the dramatic girl that I am, I fell in love with the stage and I fell in love with performing and I fell in love with musicals and I fell in love with being on stage. And it, to me, was an infectious feeling. It was such an energy when I got a high out of making an audience laugh or making an audience think or watching that one person in the audience think about something I had just said and watching that light bulb moment go off. I became obsessed with that feeling. So that then grew into me starting to speak competitively. So coming into high school, I started to represent New South Wales. I started to represent Australia. I went to America for the world individual debating public speaking championships,
0: Big sentence in and of itself is public speaking. <laughs> it's public
1: speaking, right? <laughs> exactly right. So you know, it, it became a big love of mine. But the journey definitely wasn't easy. And one of the things that was really poignant to me in my journey was I remember, I think I, I would have been about 19 when a friend of mine wanted help with a job interview. And we were sitting down together at a cafe and we were going over some pointers and I was asking her hypothetical questions. And she was getting really frustrated with herself. And she kind of puts down her coffee and she's like, Annie, it's really easy for you to say. Because you're a good speaker. Like, that's so easy for you to say, because this is so, this is so natural to you. Like you are practically born this way. Like it's really easy for you to say. Now that to me was a really poignant moment because I realized I hadn't shared with people my story, that I wasn't born a confident speaker. I actually was probably born to a deficit of what normal people are because I had to overcome an impediment, which is really hard to do, right? And so one of the things I'm really trying to share with this business that I've started is that I was not born a perfect speaker. In fact, there's no such thing as a perfect speaker. One of the things I always say is an imperfect voice is a beautiful voice because we resonate with imperfection. If I was sitting here right now with you and I was saying, oh gosh, yeah, from day one, it was just a breeze. And it was really, really easy. There's no way you'd resonate with me and there's no way you'd connect with me. So it's one of the things I think is so important when sharing stories. And one of the things that I really value about your podcast is that you enable people to actually share the journey and the hardship and the adversity, because that's where you learn and that's where you grow. And so for me, I think really big stepping stone was when I realized that feeling that I got and that high that I was riding from serving an audience was something I was actively seeking to do. So when I would finish a competition and I would finish performing and I'd go back to school or I'd go back to kind of my mundane world, I would miss that thrill and I would miss the conversations afterwards and I would miss the feeling of actually teaching people something or educating. And that's when I realized this is something I have to keep doing. And so then the journey kind of kicked off from there and I just tried to always find opportunities to speak and to perform, which then led into starting the business that I've started.
0: And let me ask you something on that because I want to dial into the difference between two things here. Mm. It's interesting to me hearing you use the word perform a lot. Because mm. when I think of performing from a place of speaking, it's adopting a role, it's yep. putting in the mask, it's leaning into a character. And I've met plenty of people who can do that really well Mm. but you ask them to speak from the heart you ask them to speak authentically you ask them to put down the mask and reveal their true self and what they really believe needs to change in the world and they struggle to do it yeah and so it's curious for me hearing you use the word perform a lot when i'm like i think there's no performance to you whatsoever i think i think that's what i resonate with is the mask is down we're real we're raw we're vulnerable let's actually have these conversations and and allow your true self to shine through Talk to me about the difference from your perspective of those. Because I think a lot of our listeners could fall into that trap of like, well, I can play the role. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I can be, I can be confident at work yes. when I need to be. Yeah. But deep down, that's not aligning with how I feel inside.
1: No. And I think the difference is with when I say perform is because I am have a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> and I see myself as a performer. Yeah. And for me, it, it doesn't mean, and it's a really important distinction to make, and mm. I'm glad that you've raised it. That does not mean that before I go on stage, I'm stepping out of myself and putting on this mask and saying, I am confident, I can do this and this, Yeah, I don't want to do it, but I can do it. And I'm going to, I'm going to be happy. and I'm going to be cheerful. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not putting on a performance, but I see myself as a performer just because I freaking love what I do. Yeah. So for me, because I grew up with drama and because I grew up with the stage, I was raised as a performer. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's, it's almost a compliment to myself to call myself performer because mm-hmm. it's enjoying the experience of performing and enjoying the experience of being on stage, as opposed to feeling completely out of my comfort zone, which I think it's 75% of the population do. Yep. Do you know that more people fear death, public speaking than they do. Yeah, death? Yeah. Right? There's yep. a great saying that people would rather be in the coffin than actually standing up, delivering the eulogy speech. Yeah. Right, so it's 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 a, it's a huge fear. Yeah. So I think I call myself a performer, and I and I adopt that so naturally, and I talk about it so casually because I'm really proud that I can do that. Mm. But it doesn't mean I'm adopting a role. Yeah. Which I'm really glad you, you It's you've like an there.
0: extension of yourself rather than a mask for yourself.
1: Exactly right. right? Yeah, exactly right. But I'm a very dramatic person. <laughs> like every, everyone that, that meets me or talks to me, I've a flair for the drama. You know, So I'm always very dramatic and very energetic. So for me, I think it's it's natural to call myself a performer in that sense. Uh, but I, I don't feel the need to put on a facade.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let that's me true. ask about you mentioned that. So I'm glad you mentioned it. That 75% of people. Yeah. I'd say even more. And I believe there's a term for it. Is it glossophobia? Glossophobia. Okay, correct. fantastic. Which yeah. is not the done your of... Research. Micro- gloss like no. <laughs> that's a whole nother fear we're not going to cover that today fear of lip gloss will be covered in a future, a future that's gonna episode that's going to be episode
1: number
0: seven <laughs> stay tuned so this fear of public speaking yeah hey i'm gonna ask you two questions here okay so one is going to be why do you think that's so prevalent in mm-hmm. society and the second one being from your perspective is it unfortunately even more prevalent in women and men? Mm. And if so, why or why not? Great question.
1: So that's the first one first of mm. glossophobia. Why does it exist? So I truly believe, I don't think we have a fear of speaking.
0: Mm.
1: I really don't. To my core, I don't think we fear speaking because you have small talk with people on the street and you're not afraid to have the conversation. You order a coffee in the morning, you're not afraid to order your coffee. I don't think we fear speaking. I think we fear judgment from others when we speak. So I think for adults in particular, it's that addition of having your peers. It's the addition of having people who are of influence in your life. It's the fear of making a mistake or quote unquote failing, which is something that I do not believe in at all. Like the failings make the man or make the woman, you know? So I think glossophobia exists because firstly, people don't like putting themselves out of their comfort zone and I don't blame them it's incredibly hard to do and it's uncomfortable like hence the word so we actually don't like putting ourselves in situations where we feel foreign we feel overwhelmed we feel like we can't cope we crave comfort as humans we like familiar so when we're actually put in a situation which a lot of people naturally associate with public speaking where we are in a foreign environment with eyes looking at us with something that we're expected to do or expected to do well in there's that immediate fear And that's why we often associate public speaking as something that is scary, right? Now this kind of stems back, I'm gonna trail for a little bit here, follow me. This kind of stems back to where we originally believe public speaking comes from and how we perceive public speaking, right? The stigma of public speaking. This is something I talk a lot about. Now, when you think of public speaking, what do you think of?
0: Speeches at school. Right. hundred percent, straight away.
1: And a lot of people's first experience public speaking is being graded to speak.
0: Mm.
1: So no wonder we don't have a fond association with something that we got a D on in high school. Or no wonder we don't have a fond association with an idea that's associated with a stage, palm cards, glass of water, spotlight. That's the traditional concept of what constitutes public speaking. But it's so not the case, because like I said, grabbing a coffee in the morning, guess what, you're public speaking. Phoning your mum at the end of the day, did you rehearse that conversation? Did you write it down? No, it's public speaking. You do it every single day without even realizing it. And you don't give yourself the credit for it. And that's why when I have women come to me that say, I'm a terrible public speaker. Like I said before at lunch, who told you that? Gosh, that's, a, that's quite the, the insult. Like who, who had the <laughs> audacity to say that to you, right? And they say, oh, no, no, I just, I know I'm really bad at it. I just, I hate doing it. I'm just really uncomfortable doing it. Like, okay, well, that's a valid point. Like it's fair, it's, it's uncomfortable doesn't mean you're bad at it Mm. and I guarantee you you do it every single day without even realizing that you do it you know you got a sudden spike in your energy bill increase you have to call Energy Australia you're public speaking Mm. you haven't rehearsed that conversation and you're impromptu speaking on the phone that's a skill in of itself so I think people need to remind themselves of that that they have the inherent skills to do public speaking we all speak every single day It's, it's part of our natural dialogue it's how we connect as humans but for some reason when we associate ourselves with public speaking there's an immediate pressure and an expectation now i'll pass you this when you want to learn a new recipe when you're cooking we all accept the first time you cook it isn't going to be that great right (laughs) you're trying to make a new banana bread it's probably going to come out a bit dry this is not that sweet right it's going to be pretty bad we accept that if you're training for a competition if you're running or if you're training for some kind of sports championship there's no way you can compete in the first seven days You have to train your muscles. You have to build your strength. You have to build your endurance, your cardiovascular endurance, right? When you're knitting, you're going to drop a stitch. It's inevitable, unless you're amazing at knitting. If so, please hit me up because I want to get good (laughs) at knitting, (laughs) right? You're going to drop a stitch and it's natural when picking up a new skill. So why is it that when we associate ourselves with learning public speaking, we expect ourselves to deliver flawlessly on day one? Why is that? Where did that come from? Why do we not allow ourselves the time to make those mistakes, quote unquote, you know, and make those errors? Because, you know, like I said, I fainted at my first public speaking competition. I could have very easily thrown in the towel, be like, "Mum, absolutely not. No way, man, not for me. Like shattered my cheekbone, I'm I'm done, I'm out of here, right? That could have been really easy to do. And for a lot of people, those first experiences of performing in front of their peers, their colleagues are frightening. And it's that judgment that they're worried about, it's the internal dialogue that goes in their head, the the what if this happens and what if that happens, I'm not good enough at this, I'm not good enough at that. That often stops us from even trying in the first place. So after that first experience is done and we haven't done it perfectly, Mm -hmm. we're not as willing to try it again. And we're not as willing to grow and to learn and to improve. And I don't blame people because it's this kind of expectation and and stigma that we do have around public speaking that you're either top-notch and elite or you're down at the bottom of the leaderboard. And that's a really dangerous way to adjust to a new skill and to try and fall in love with something that's really scary to do. Yeah. Mm. And then mm. the second part of your question mm. was about women.
0: Yeah, is it, is it more common? And if so, why do you think so?
1: So I think it's natural for everybody to have a fear of public speaking. I don't believe it's mm. gendered. Mm. But I think women in particular do struggle more. Reason being, we have a wonderful ability to rehearse extensive narratives in our head. <laughs> extensive, right? Now, these narratives tell us all of these things that we've convinced ourselves are true, right? We rehearse failure consistently. And we teach ourselves that, you know, we're not a good public speaker. I hate the sound of my own voice. I don't like this about myself. I don't like that about ourselves. And although that applies to men, and that's very true in the, like, with men as well, what I find that's very unique about women and the women that I coach is that that pressure and that expectation to deliver perfectly is so much higher because I've worked with men as well and I've coached men. And I often find that with the men that would perform and have a, a bit of a shaky experience, it's more of a, oh, like, oh, it's all right. Like just kind of brush mm-hmm. it off. It sucked, but it's okay. Like we we can try again. And I think that's because they're more receptive to the fact that, well, it may not have gone perfectly perfectly but I'm willing to try better and, and kind of work on it and do again. Like the, the judgment from their peers is not as extreme as women. We place such high expectations of ourselves on ourselves to have it done flawlessly, perfectly the first time. And this could go back to social constructs that were formed decades ago, mm-hmm. centuries ago about how women need to have it together all the time. We have mm-hmm. to look a certain part and act a certain part and be a certain part. And that involves our voice as well. How we speak naturally, A feminine voice is quite a high voice. Mm. So I have a lot of women that come to me with a very like deep, sexy, resonant voice and they're like, I want to get rid of it. Mm. I sound manly. I'm like, who told you that? Mm. (laughs) Because I will drive to their house personally (laughs) and put in a complaint. You know, it's these types of things. I think it's these narratives that we write ourselves that as women, we're far more Mm self-critical and we're so willing to allow ourselves to believe the narratives that we write and to construct ourselves around these false narratives. And it's one of the things that I'm trying to actively break down. Like I Mm -hmm. said before, an imperfect voice is a beautiful voice. Embracing the parts of your voice that are imperfect, that do have faults. Accents, huge thing I work with. You know, Women come to me wanting to get rid of their accent. I'm like, gosh, why? Mm -hmm. That's your heritage. That's your background. That's who you are as a person. That's your family. That's your upbringing. That's your childhood. Why would you want to get rid of your accent? And it's because people in the office all sound the same and they don't blend in, they stand out. Or when they speak on the phone, it's difficult for people to understand them, right? Now, there are things that you can work on with speaking, always, like with anything. There's skills that you can develop, articulation, projection, things we spoke about before. These are all skills that you can develop and work on. But fundamentally, with women, the mindset complex that we have around public speaking, I think, starts at a more significant disadvantage Mm -hmm. than it does for men because we place such high expectations of ourselves to have it right the first time and we're not as receptive to failure
0: yeah and i think you know i, I tend to say unfortunately as well i think it's something that i'd like to see change but there may be societal impacts there as well of historically and society-wise mm. especially in professional settings it's still such an unfortunate thing where women i feel are encouraged to shrink themselves and shrink their voice i see this with my wife all the time you know she's five foot one tiny has a bit of a quiet voice normally and for her to speak up and be in a leadership position and own her voice yeah. and use her voice and make change for her to actually really get attention and respect yeah. unfortunately she has to work so much harder at it than I do yeah. and so the hurdles for her to grow there are really tough mm. and yeah it is nice hearing that it's like okay look those hurdles are there but there's things internally that we can do as well we can improve our own self-confidence we can improve our relation with ourselves. we can build these like skills and then one by one make change yeah. and that's how we change I, I believe that society shapes us at the same time we shape society yeah it's this circle oh, 100%. thing right if we if we can start shaping ourselves we can start really changing the world as a whole
1: and reaffirming yourself of your value what you can mm. bring to the table like you know for your wife and so many other women that come into a big corporate room filled with whoever it might be filled with mm. and automatically feeling inferior or automatically feeling that small voice and feeling i, I can't perform here i, I, I can't rise mm. to the occasion yes you can yeah and remind yourself of it. You know, one of the first things that I do with the women that I work with is we write a goddamn list of everything that you are bloody good at in your profession. How much experience do you have? How long have you been doing this? You have a team that follows you. You're telling me that you you you're the leadership of a team. People follow your every move. You direct people during the day. You're a mother. You have kids. You have you're a domestic goddess. Like you're telling me that all of these things are your complex, are your character. Yet for some reason, when we step into a setting where we have to perform, where we have to, and I use that word intentionally, where we have to speak in front of people and we have that sudden expectation and that judgment, why do we go soft and why do we go quiet, right? And it's reminding ourselves that Mm -hmm. that is your time to shine. That is your time to rise to the occasion and to bring Mm -hmm. yourself to the table and remind yourself that you add value to the room. And it's one of the things that I work on is creating mantras for yourself and writing affirmations. And a lot of people can say that mantras are cliche, right? Which to the extent some are, right? And I I really believe if you grab them from the internet and you stick them in your mirror, they're not going to (laughs) resonate because you haven't (laughs) written them yourself, right? So there's only so much they can do. But I really believe when you peel back the layers and you start diving down to the core of, why am I afraid to speak? Why do I not feel confident when I enter work in the morning? Why, Why is that? When you actually peel back the layers and you start to uncover that, you get to the core, you write that core down, and you remind yourself of that core every morning, you are far more likely to enter the day with a stronger mindset coming into the office. Like, for example, you wake up in the morning, you tell yourself, "Gosh, today's going to be a shocking day. Guess what? It probably will be (laughs) because you've come out of bed telling yourself that it will be, right? So if you are telling yourself before you present, you're rehearsing hypotheticals of what could go wrong. You're rehearsing failure. What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? They're not going to take me seriously. I won't know how to answer questions. I won't know how to do this. I won't know how to do that. You are automatically putting yourself on the back foot and you are setting yourself up for an experience of uncertainty and discomfort. Flip that on its head. Tell yourself before you perform, Yeah, I have value to add to this room. They've asked me to speak today. They've asked me to be here. Sure. I might not know how to answer every question, But it is okay if I say I'll get back to them. Just reminding yourself that you don't have to have it completely together all the time. Because if you did, that's pretty phenomenal. And I want tips from you, right? Because there's times when I present when I have no freaking clue what I'm doing. And sometimes in Clubhouse, right, which has been the most phenomenal app for people to practice their public speaking skills. I'm often called onto stage and thrown into an absolute Whole of I, like this randomness of a room that I don't know what they're talking about and they're like oh we've got Annalise on stage i like what do you think about this I'm like and I'm like thrown into the deep end automatically and I have to remind myself being called up for a reason I do have value to add and even if I don't know what I'm saying I know how to navigate it it's okay it's okay if I make a mistake it's all right if I do that right so I think that's one of the things that you know I would reinforce for the women that do feel that way and even for the men that do feel that way when they perform or they present in front of a crowd or in front of a group of people, particularly corporate professionals, and they feel themselves shrinking and they feel that small voice, remind yourself of your value. It's one of the things I always tell myself before I have any type of professional gig, you are going to be the highlight of their day. And in saying that, it puts me in such a good headspace where I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna bring the energy, I'm gonna bring the obscenely bad dad jokes, and I'm gonna try and offer value in any way that I can. You know, and I think that's what, when you're passionate about something and when you're in a career where you're really enjoying what you're doing, you should see every speaking gig as an opportunity to teach, as an opportunity to add value, as an opportunity to share. We spoke about before the idea of one person. Yeah. It could resonate with one person. So almost putting yourself, taking yourself out of the equation for a second. You don't have the time to be selfish and be like, oh, I might be a bad speaker. Well, guess what? Someone in the audience might really need to hear your message today. And why really need to learn about the data statistics from last Tuesday. <laughs> and they might really want to know that, right? Mm. So it's reminding yourself of that every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a powerful thing to embrace too. I remember one of my mentors very early on used a similar thing with me. It's like, how selfish of you is it of you to get so caught up in your head and focused on how you're speaking rather than yeah. the message you're sharing in the first place?
1: So true. And I was like,
0: oh, man, that really hits home. And the more I lent into... I'm just going to speak from my heart about things I'm passionate about and things I genuinely believe will make people's lives better, the better it became mm-hmm. and the better feedback I got. And technically, hard skills-wise, look at, you know, all the the correct, if we're going to go that way, ways to speak. Yeah. There's probably, I've got a lot to, to lack and a lot to desire. But yeah. in terms of actually hitting people where it matters, connecting with them, yeah. getting them to think, inspiring them, it's something I've really... Been fortunate enough to build and to develop as a skill set over the years. Yeah. Coming from that, I, I do want to ask you. I'm curious. We're actually joined today, uh, for those who are listening, uh, in studio. We're joined by the amazing Jess. Jess, give us a yell. Hello. How, How are you doing? Jess <laughs> is one of the coaches here and also our head of um, smiles and member engagement. So her job is to think of ways for us to make people smile Aww. and go over and above. Um, and Jess has started speaking more and more frequently with BU. And I know Amy and I had a conversation once about, Amy called me once after doing a talk and she was really stressed. She was beating herself up. She was in tears. She was like, I just didn't do well. And she said to me, she goes, I just feel like I can't speak like you. And I was like, you're correct. And I don't want you to.
1: Mm.
0: I don't want you to speak like me because if I was meant to be in that room, I would have been in that room. Those people needed to hear from you. Mm. And you're so busy trying to speak like me that you're not bringing Amy to the table. Mm. And I think this is almost something that you and I have spoken about before. It's like bringing Jess to the table, and bringing your strengths and your heart and your passion and your experience. And I think that's what makes our team so beautiful and profound and powerful is our diverse backgrounds and how we can bring them together. So I'm curious, from your perspective, and I was like, because I think a lot of the time people will find a role model in speaking. Mm whether it be the Tony Robbins, the Jay Shettys, or someone that they saw at some sort of event. Mm. I fell into that trap early on. I was Mm. like, I'm going to speak like Tony. Mm. And I tried to be him. Mm. And it was fucking terrible, right? And the greatest compliment I get nowadays, people are like, no matter where I interact with you, you're the same dude.
1: Yes. And I'm like, yeah. Yes.
0: Because I'm just me. And I'm just being honest and Mm. being true and being real. Amazing, But that's tough to get to. So, like, from your perspective, what advice or tips would you be giving people in identifying and leaning into their unique voice you mentioned for you it's you know you do bring that dramatic flair and and the performance and stuff right and so I think we all have our own unique styles but how people begin to identify that
1: so one of the things I really like that you mentioned before was the idea of speaking from the heart which as a concept is incredibly difficult to do it's really vulnerable and when you actually decide I'm going to let down my walls and I'm going to just speak as me we fear that a lot of people won't accept that or that it's not, as you said, the Tony Robbins or the standard of speaking. I can tell you now, for free, all of the clients that have signed up to work with me since I've been on Clubhouse have worked with me because they resonate with my imperfections. They resonate with the fact that when I get really excited when I speak or when I get overwhelmed, sometimes my list comes out and it's just one of the things I'm trying to embrace or that I have mental blanks. I can't have the answers all the time. Like I'm a speaking coach, but I can't be perfect always. You know, it's, it's, it's unattainable. So what I would say to people is the first thing to connect to your authentic voice and who actually are you as a speaker is firstly identifying with your purpose, your why, who are you, what are you trying to achieve? Why do you want your voice to be a tool and what are you trying to do with it? So who are you trying to serve and why? And it's a big question to ask yourself of who is it that I'm trying to serve? And for what purpose am I trying mm-hmm. to serve them? And sometimes it takes a bit of digging. You know, you started up a bit new business. You've got a passion. Great. So we now need to turn that passion through your voice into a vessel where you can serve people. You can educate mm-hmm. people. You can teach people. But unfortunately, people connect with people. And if you can't be vulnerable, and if you can't let down your walls, and if you can't mm-hmm. be authentic, and you can't be genuine, guess what, buddy? They're not going to connect with you. Right. So that's why I encourage people when they're on their journey to share your failures, to share your journey. Just as you did at the beginning of the episode, you said, I I want the the ins and outs, the inny bitties. People connect with that. They don't connect with the start and the finish or the perfect finished product. We don't relate to that as humans. So one of the first things I would advise when trying to get comfortable with your authentic voice is be comfortable sharing your authentic story. And stop comparing your story to other people. God, the amount of times I've heard. My story's not as impressive as hers. <laughs> what do you mean? No, well, of course it's not. You're different people. Like
0: When I first got into speaking, I used to say to my coach, Sam, I was like, why would anyone listen to me? I have had the most average life possible. And he's like, in what way? And I was like, I'm white, straight, male, middle class income, from a you know divorced family, which over fifty percent of parents are divorced, yeah. and I was like, there is nothing remarkable about me. <laughs> and he was like, "Whoa, dude! Yeah. Like, we got to change that." Yeah. And and that was a lot of again. It's it's you're right. When we're speaking from the heart, we're sharing part of ourselves. And if our relationship with ourself is not that healthy,
1: yeah,
0: how the fuck are we going to expect ourselves to share that wholeheartedly?
1: You can't serve others if you don't serve yourself. Mm. And that's one of the things when you're in the speaking industry or in the coaching industry, you, you're expected to present or show up as a professional, as an expert. If you're not actually serving yourself, your story, not being authentic to who you are, there is no way that you are going to connect authentically with the people in that room. There is no way. So one of the things I always say, as I mentioned before, get comfortable sharing your story. And I don't care how big or how small it is, because we're not playing the compare and despair game. We're not playing, oh, but I didn't grow up with a mum that had cancer or Mm. I didn't do that. It doesn't need to be the doom and gloom. Mm. It doesn't need to be overly dramatic. There are so many learning journeys that we go through in our life. You have no idea how strongly they resonate with people until Mm. you share it. Mm. And that's the amazing thing about Clubhouse, right? You find people that come up on stage, they share a story and you have someone that comes off the mic and is like, whoa, Mm. I just need to tell you that really resonated with me. And they're like, what? really and you don't realize that because you're not sharing it so of course you can't expect yourself to know that your story is going to resonate because you don't give yourself the time of day or the platform or the opportunity to share it with people Mm. so that's the first thing I would say is become comfortable with sharing your story so we have finding who are who is it that you want to serve and why do you want to serve them and get comfortable sharing your story the third thing I would say is just embrace you're not going to have it together all the time and I tell you what, I really appreciate as a speaker in all my years of speaking moments when I don't deliver perfectly moments when I tear a story and I choke up moments when I'm coaching about something and the words run away from me and I have to use my nifty tip of grabbing a glass of water and <laughs> taking a sip to recollect myself, which is a really great tip, by the way. And one of the things that I really appreciate is that I'm becoming comfortable in discomfort. Mm. And it's one of the things that it's really hard to do and you can't do unless you put yourself in uncomfortable situations. So you accept that before you start speaking, I'm okay. I'm actually completely okay if everything doesn't go to plan here. Do you know why? Because I know I've put myself in an environment where I'm around people that are receptive of if I stuff up, it's not the end of the world. They're here to listen to me. They've asked me to speak. They want to hear what I have to say. And I know that I have value to give. So if that value isn't delivered to an A plus standard, which is being marked against a checklist of how loud you're speaking and how articulate you are and how clearly you are, that is okay. Mm Because guess what, nobody has a checklist. And as a speaker, the amount of things that you overthink in your head that nobody picks up on. I remember actually, I did a gig once and I remember I had this massive mental blank in the beginning of speech. Like the PowerPoint clicker wasn't working, I forgot my next bit and I just freeze. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I use the time to just walk to my lectern, grab my glass of water and take a sip and try and recollect myself. And I remember afterwards going to friends of mine that were in the audience being like, fuck out. Like, how did I stuff that up? They're like, stuff what up? I'm like, 30 second mental blank that I had, where I froze on stage and I had no idea what I was saying. And I just My soul left my body and you didn't see that. I was watching myself on stage and I was just staring at myself like, hello, are we gonna wake up anytime soon? What felt like 40 seconds of just nothing. Mm-hmm. Tell you something really interesting. That was recorded. Yep. And I watched back the tape. That was a three second pause. Yep. A three-second pause, which in my mind felt like close to a minute, mm. right? So one of the things we have to remind ourselves of is the brain, you would know with the work that you do, mm. is an incredibly powerful yeah. Incredibly powerful. And sometimes it doesn't like to work in your favour. Yeah. And sometimes it likes to trick you. And sometimes it likes to stuff you up and make mm-hmm. you feel like something's happened when it actually hasn't, right? Now, one of the amazing things that I've learned is pretty cool. Did you know that fear and excitement... The same feeling
0: yeah very closely linked like right. the, you if, if you ask people to describe the feeling of fear yeah and describe the feeling of excitement they're nearly the same yeah which is why we use the term the green light methodology yes. green light theory yes the best decisions in life are made when you feel equally scared and excited it's probably the same feeling it's just how you're well you think about it. it
1: when you're about to present mm. you get butterflies yeah you get sweaty palms yeah. you get really like fast breathing and yeah. fast breath and you start thoughts start to go along in your head right you're about to go on a roller coaster ride, okay? Yeah. And you're, you're really excited for it. Yep. You get the same feeling, it's yep. the same thing, yep. right? So what's actually really cool when you're in those moments where you're about to perform and you're psyching yourself out and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Like how am I gonna do this? Mm. Firstly, do what I mentioned before and flip all those psych outs on yeah. their head. And you can do this, you've got yeah. value to add. You're amazing, like you got just hype yourself up. God damn, just do it in every avenue of your life. But the second thing is, tell yourself you're really excited. Yeah because it's the same like psychological and physiological reaction in your body. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah, okay, I-, I am excited. Cause it's the same reaction that you get when you're scared of something. Yeah. So when you're in those moments where you're, you know, whether it's being, you're about to share your story for the first mm-hmm. time, or you're learning how to connect with your authentic voice mm-hmm. and you're scared, so scared to do it, flip that on its head yeah. and teach yourself to be excited for those moments, mm-hmm. right? Be excited for the opportunity to speak. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things I talk about a lot and really openly. We have no idea how lucky we are to actually have so many opportunities presented to ourselves where we can share our story. Social media is free, right? And you can write a post or you can put out a video or you Mm. can join a live or you can put up a story sharing anything that happened in your life or in your day or in your career or whatever it might be. You have a platform to do that and to to share and to Mm. practice and to experience before the big deal, mm. right? So if people have, if anyone listening, if you have a, a gig coming up, you've got a presentation coming up and you're scared to do it, you have so many tools around you that can help you get in your game zone. So many little experiences of discomfort that aren't big ones, mm. that you're not gonna shy away from, that aren't too scary, that's gonna help you feel more comfortable with speaking. Yeah. So it might be something like posting a video or even what I used to do to get used to, uh, I so I used to hate speaking on camera. Mm which is amazing because it's one of the things I do now all the time in part of my job, right? But even four or five years ago, I hated performing to camera. I, it was so isolating. That little black dot is terrifying and I hated it, right? So one of the ways that I got really comfortable with speaking on camera is every afternoon after work, when I would get home, I would stay in the car. I would put my phone on my uh, steering wheel, put flip the camera around to me and press record. And I had to look at the camera lens and just talk about my day. Now, you got some pretty mundane videos in that collection of <laughs> what coffee I drank and a dog I saw on the street. But the point being, I started to get really comfortable with talking to that black dot. In fact, the black dot became very friendly and right. non intimidating because I saw the black dot every single day.
0: I'm reminded of, uh, again, I'm, I'm throwing Amy under the bus. Yeah, so I, this. <laughs> I remember when Amy first came on board with us and we we're asking her to record videos for social media. She was terrified of speaking in front of camera. And I remember we sat her down one day and I was like, who is someone in your life that you know deep down needs to hear this message? Mm. And she was like, my sister. And I was like, why? Tell me about that. And she told me about her sister and and what she was going through at that time in her life and how she really needed to hear these things. I was like, fantastic. Go for a walk around the block, collect your thoughts. And I really rapidly in that time got a picture of Simone, her sister, her face on A4, printed (gasps) it out and stuck it to the back of the camera. And I said, don't speak to the camera, speak to Simone. Mm. Instantly. She was speaking more from the heart. Right? And I was like, that's all you've got to do. Yeah. Just imagine that Simone's going to see this on the other side of the camera.
1: And it's so true. It's the whole idea of envision the camera as a friend. Yeah. Right. Because when you're on FaceTime talking to your partner or talking to your mum or your dad or your sister or whoever it might be at the end of the day, you don't feel the pressure because you're just talking mm. to a friend about your day, mm. right? So when we're suddenly in a professional setting, that disconnect happens and that's when we feel isolated mm. and we lose touch with our message and who we are and we lose that authenticity yeah. because we become robotic, yep. we become stagnant, we become over-rehearsed, we become really anxious and nervous and mm. worried, right? So it's at that point in time when I, I love what you just said there, who is it that you know that needs to hear this? Mm. Speak to them.
0: Mm.
1: They're here now listening live. Mm. I, I imagine that they're here now listening live, yep. you know, even p- people listening to the podcast, you imagine they're actually sitting here in the room in mm. an audience. And it's like what we mentioned before, you don't have the time of day to be selfish with a message like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's you, not fair it's, to you or to the world. It's
1: not. You know, and it's, it's a weird thing to say, but it's it's true. Mm-hmm. Everybody has so much value to add. They have no idea. And mm-hmm. you, you can't actually find that out until you put yourself in a little bit of a discomfort zone, you step out of your shell, mm-hmm. and you do something actively to start sharing your story, mm-hmm. communicating with people, connecting. And it might be simply getting friendly with the guy that gives you coffee every morning. Yeah. Ask him if he has if he has kids. What car does he drive? Actually, that might be pickup line. Maybe don't ask that. But you know, <laughs> you know I mean? Just start asking questions.
0: We're gonna get yeah. messages in being like, at least I started dating my coffee guy. I don't know how it happened, but we're here now. <laughs> and now my lung blacks are free.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Weird. Um, man, I'm gonna keep having this conversation forever because I just love this stuff. And I think it's really valuable. I actually want to, on a bit of a surprise, which we've never done the show before. I want to throw it to you, Jess. Do you have any questions that you want to ask? Annelies and I oh. might just uh, <laughs> hold this towards you and just get you to yell yeah. towards it. Um I don't know, I feel like I've taken so much already away from just listening on the side and like, you
1: know, sort of lurking in the background. Um, I think one of my main questions would have been what you already asked, Dick, which were what are some of the ways we can identify um, how to express our unique voice? um but i don't actually have any other questions i just think i love everything you do and it's obviously had a huge impact everything you've shared i'm like oh yeah i can see myself in that time and mm-hmm. i resonated with that and yeah you have an important mission in the world and that's really just oh, stopping you <laughs> jess has just
0: organized a series of um talks coming up with one of our partners um her strength which is led by one of our sophomore year members oh, nice. now and elise who's amazing um who uh, does strength training for women and young girls. Oh, wow. And to show them what their bodies are capable of. And so wow. now just going to be doing a lot of stuff with mental and emotional development mm. with that group too. That's
1: amazing. Yeah,
0: which is really exciting. I have some weird questions for you. I'm ready. Well, a weird question that I've been pondering for my whole life and I finally found something. <laughs> Your whole
1: fun. life? No, legitimately. This has been years, but I've never oh, Googled
0: gosh. it because I'm waiting to ask someone who I think could answer it. I think oh, you're no. the person. What a... Okay, all right. Why is it that nearly all speech impediments? And named with a word that's impossible for the person to <laughs> say. So, stutter has three T's.
1: It's so
0: st- true. St- st- right? Lisp
1: has an S. Has an S and
0: a P yep. together. Yep. Why is this a thing? Was oh. there just some sick fuck at some point in history yes. who was like?
1: That's It's actually his name was Timothy. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doctor uh, <laughs> Sick Fuck.
1: <laughs> no, it's so. It is so true. It's actually I remember having that conversation. That's so funny you mentioned that. When I, I would have been in maybe year nine or year ten way through my speaking journey then i was still in school and i remember having that conversation with my mum, being like that's a bit twisted
0: (laughs) (laughs) who did this (laughs) it's a
1: bit strange the first Um. time i watched the king's speech with colin firth and jeffrey rush Mm. and they talk about having a stutter and it kind of hit me stut stut that's a bit rude (laughs) that's quite cruel you know so i don't know why it is um you know it's it's
0: it's well my my question on life just continues (laughs) unanswered For the rest of my I, life, I I'll to, sit and ponder this. I have to Google for come you. Come back to me. I know, seriously. It's... Or I'll go away to the Himalayas and just meditate on it <laughs> and see what I am enlightened. Join, to Join the monks. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what the monks say. Um, but with all this said and with all this ridiculousness, I do always like to highlight, for the people listening, if, if they were to only take one or two things, mm. from what we've shared today, mm. that you could then go away and be like, I'm so damn glad. Yeah that they took that away and if they do something with it holy shit what a difference we could make yeah what would those few things be
1: (sighs) okay so firstly being conscious that we write our own narrative about our voice Mm. so we need to be conscious of our internal dialogue if you are someone that have convinced yourself that you are shy where did that come from are you really shy or is that just an excuse you use to not talk to people Mm. right When you say you're a bad public speaker, are you really a bad public speaker? Or is that something you've convinced yourself of over so many years, so it must be true, right? You say you hate the sound of your voice. Where did that stem from? Is that true? Or is that just a narrative that you've constructed? So one of the things to be so poignantly aware of is that before you speak, what is going on through your head? What are you telling yourself? Where has that come from, right? So what is the narrative that you're writing and what is the dialogue associated with that? One of the things that can make or break any type of performance, I don't care if you're a speaker, if you're a sports star, mm-hmm. if you're a comedian, whatever it might be, is internal narrative. Mm-hmm. And if you tell yourself before you're going to start something, I'm going to be so bad at this. Oh, there's no there's no point trying. There's no point trying. I'm not confident. Can't do it. Never been able to do it. There's no point. Do you think you're going to do well? No. It's like what I used to teach my students before they go into exams. If you psych yourself out before an exam and you tell yourself, I haven't studied enough. I'm going to fail. I have barely any sleep. And this isn't going to go well. Guess what? It's probably not going to go well because you've trained yourself that it won't. So being conscious of your dialogue and actively flipping that on its head, trying to educate yourself and remind yourself you add value. You are so beyond intelligent. You don't even know how much experience and value you have to add. Your story is so important. It is so important. You probably don't even realize how important because you don't give yourself the time of day to share it. And it's these few things that we need to remind ourselves of that create that opportunity of sharing our voice as a positive one rather than a negative one. So that's probably the first thing I'd say. And the second thing I would say is take up speaking opportunities. Put yourself in your discomfort zone. Discomfort zone turns into a comfort zone over time. I promise you I put money on that. There's money on the table. (laughs) There's Annalise Dollars on the table. If you are someone who currently has a discomfort zone and it's not going away and it, it might be speaking or it might be asking someone out on a date, whatever it might be. The reason it continues to be a discomfort zone is because you're not putting yourself mm. in a situation where you can try and grow and stretch and learn mm. from that. Turn a discomfort zone into a comfort zone. How do you do that? By seeking out opportunities to get rid of it.
0: Get in there. I've get heard the there. saying before, it's trying to win the game from the sidelines.
1: Yes. Oh, That's so like, true. It's not possible. Such a good You've saying. got to get in there. You have to. Mm. You have to. And accepting full-heartedly it is so beyond okay if you are uncomfortable yep. in that situation and it is so okay if you mumble yep. or if you have a mental blank or if you quote unquote stuff up mistakes failures stuffing up whatever you want to call it that is what gets you to the destination to yep. the finish line that is what helps you along the journey because like I said before, if I didn't have the upbringing that I had, if I wasn't born with an impediment, if I didn't have the experience of fainting on stage, of all of the times I had to put myself in my discomfort zone to learn how to be comfortable on stage, there is no way I would be as confident in my voice and in my abilities as I am now. There is no way. So you're almost doing yourself a disservice if you don't allow yourself the opportunity to grow. Yeah. You're stunting your own growth if you don't open and actively open those doors for yourself for people that are in a corporate sphere let's say for example you're in a job you have monthly meetings right Mm -hmm. often or you have opportunities where presentations come up or you have to have cold calls put yourself on the list contact your boss today Mm -hmm. send them an email get on the phone you want to be there in the next meeting actually in fact you don't even want to be there you want to present you have something you want to share And you can work with someone in the office to prepare that presentation. Mm. And you're going to put yourself in the deep end and acknowledge you don't have to have it all together on the first try Mm. because we don't expect that of ourselves when we're baking banana bread Mm. and we don't expect that of ourselves when we're training for a marathon. Mm. So don't expect it of yourself when you're trying public speaking, which like anything else is just a new skill that the more that you practice, the better you get at Mm. like with any other skill. I
0: love it. I love it so much. So for those who are listening who have really resonated with your story and your voice and the change that you're making in the world where can they connect with you all to to be part of that
1: well they can connect with me on instagram at her speaking coach or they can find me at www.analysemccarthy.com fantastic (laughs) and we'll be putting the links
0: for both of those in the show notes as well as usual but honestly thank you once again for for not only being here when i thank people for being here i don't just mean physically i mean actually being here and bringing themselves to the table bringing their story their background their passions their heart their enthusiasm Because I think that's what makes the difference in the world and spreads that ripple effect. So I'm really grateful to have you here. I'm really grateful that you've shared that today on the show. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what's next for you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Declan. Honestly, it's been so amazing. And I think, you know, any opportunity to share the message is a great opportunity. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today. Because a little bit of discomfort zone now turned into a comfort zone. And hey, first episode for season four. I love it. I love it. Beautiful.
0: Thank you. And just like that, we reach the end of our first deep dive session for this season of the podcast. I'm always so grateful for the guests who come along and volunteer their time, their expertise, their insight into giving back to you as our audience, as our listeners, to to you listening to this to go, hey, not only are you going to hear insights, tips, tricks, tools, strategies to a happier, more fulfilling life from my perspective, let's get other people in as well to contribute to that. So make sure you reach out and connect with Annalise. Make sure if there's something that really resonated with you from this week's episode, send it to her. Let her know. I know for a fact that she loves when she gets those messages. And if this did hit home for you and you want to hear more of these and find out when we have more of these deep dive episodes coming up, as I said, they're every fourth episode. So you know what you got to do. You got to like the show, subscribe to it, Leave us a review if you haven't done so already on uh, Apple Podcasts. It is a fantastic way to know only make sure you're among the first people who get access to these shows, but also to help us work towards our vision of growing global well-being one mind at a time. Every review, every like, every subscribe, something that takes 30 seconds of your time actually helps more people interact with this show, which means we can impact more lives as a result of it. And speaking of impacting lives, if you would like to take a step forward in your own happiness journey, if you'd like to learn the tools and the strategies to truly thrive and get the accountability and support of having the right team around you, well, then you know what to do. Start by taking your happiness scorecard. Head to www.happinessscorecard.com.au and that link is in the show notes. Take your happiness scorecard, then come along to our free monthly masterclass, Hacking Happiness, which you can find out all the details about on our website. Again, the link is in the show notes. Search for bucoaching.org. And you can also reach out to us directly on social media to find out more about joining our signature coaching programs, where on average, our members experience an increase of 57% in their self-reported happiness scores. I'm also very, very excited to announce that uh, the amazing woman that you just listened to, Annalise McCarthy, is officially now one of BU's newest freshman members and has taken the leap to work on her own happiness journey and her own personal development and upskilling herself so that... Not only she can continue to thrive, but she can use these skills and tools to make a greater and deeper impact in the lives of those around her. So if you want to do what Annalise did and get on board, send us a message on any social media platform or jump onto our website and come along to our free masterclass, Hacking Happiness, that happens every single month. But until the next time we talk, you know what we do. Make an impact, start with self and be you.